Number four, eight, nine, 10, 12, 15, 19, 21, and 23. I know what you're thinking at home, and no, those are not my lucky numbers from a fortune cookie. Those are my upcoming draft picks in a league that Dan and I share together. Ugh, insert a little humble brag there. My gosh. What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? I'm Max Cascons, joined by Mr. Breakout Age, a.k.a. The Run DMC, a.k.a. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, are you excited for today's show? I am excited for today's show. I think this is actually going to be our ninth uh, episode thus far, which has been awesome. We've had some really great shows thus far, and we're starting to get a little traction now, right? So, I mean, with that in mind, it's actually we do want to kick off today's show letting people know we're looking to get some reviews now. We've got a little, a uh, couple reps under our belt. And so we want to start to uh, better understand what you guys think of the show. So it's super helpful for us. We want to make sure we're giving you the best content possible. So uh, for this week, our ask to you guys, the listeners, is to be able to write a review for us, either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Uh, and Max, actually, we just got a recent review, didn't we? We did. We did. And listen, I don't care if you hit the one star button. I don't care if you hit the five star button. I just want to know why. And we got a review from the N to the R a couple weeks ago. And uh, I thought there was some interesting takes here, Dan. This person says, great audio quality. Love that. We, 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 we focus heavily on the audio quality here, right? Uh, and they said the two hosts really flow well together. They've got some deep knowledge about the league. Love that. But I wish they kind of agree or disagreed with each other a bit more. Um, even though they've got some good insight and can be pretty funny. So Dan, we got a lot of players to talk about today. And uh, I, I know, I know by seeing what's on our show notes that uh, I think we might have one disagreement upcoming. So uh, your prayers yeah. might be answered, Mr. Listener. There we go. We're looking to get a little bit more contention in here. So we'll have a little bit more of a, of a back and forth than usual. Let's kick off today by talking about one of the up and coming top producing wide receivers in the NFL Dan, I know this is a favorite player of yours, maybe even your favorite at a given position group. Possibly. Why don't we kick it off by talking about Mr. A.J. Brown? Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, so A.J. Brown, uh, a guy I'm excited for and certainly know that plenty of others are as well. I, I don't think we're talking about a guy that people don't already know of. A.J. Brown is a beast. But let's take a look now. We have two years of NFL production that we can start to kind of comb through a little bit just to better understand kind of the opportunity he's had thus far. So 2019 comes in as a rookie and hits 1,000 plus yards. Great milestone to be able to hit right off the bat. And he was PFF's 2019 Offensive Rookie of the Year. So clearly was able to come in, immediately start to make an impact, especially on a team that a lot of people thought was a little bit of a death sentence. People going over to, to the uh, Titans, knowing that they were run first, didn't seem like the opportunity was there. He created that opportunity with how good a player he is. Then we go into 2020. He's raising the stakes a little bit. So again, 1,073 yards in 14 games, which was number seven in fantasy points per game in 2020. And he is a red zone monster. Over the past two years, he's finished fifth and third in total touchdowns for wide receivers. And he led all wide receivers in fantasy points per touch. When the, you get the ball to A.J. Brown, he makes a difference, especially in critical areas like the red zone there. So you look at that and like, man, okay, he's been able to really start 
pushing his opportunity forward on a team we were maybe a little worried about. So going forward, uh, how do we kind of interpret some of his dynasty value? Well, he's 23 years old with two proven years of production now. Fantastic. And you start to take a look at who else is on the field while he's been. You got Corey Davis and you got Jonu Smith, both free agents. So the opportunity for an increased target share, which a lot of people are starting to clamor for, for A.J. Brown, seeing when he actually gets the ball, what he does with it, that could be a huge opportunity for him to start to garner a little bit more market share there. Uh, then you have Derrick Henry, the beast himself. Way uh, I believe we actually talked about him uh, last time, if not two times ago, uh, for an episode. And he is going to be turning 28 by the end of next season, so 27 right now. Uh, we know how much of a beast he is, but we've also talked about our thoughts on the wheels have to start to fall off at some point, especially with someone who's been worked as much as Derrick Henry has. So there's a potential that they start to lean on the run game a little less, start to throw to A.J. Brown a little bit more, and magic starts to happen. And then lastly, you look at QB situation, right? When you're kind of forecasting with Dynasty, you want to start to see if there's any volatility. Uh, and you have Ryan Tannehill, who's come in, been unbelievably serviceable uh actually ends up being a top fantasy uh option over the past couple years so you get excited about knowing that he's going to continue to be throwing on the ball so all these things start to add up and you start to say okay what's important to me and my dynasty wide receiver one these are the things that are very important to me and knowing he's done it at such an early age i just think the opportunity for future growth for aj brown is just insane so he and I'll come out and say that uh, he is my wide receiver one in dynasty formats right now. Uh, and I'm not afraid to say it, Max. How about you? What, uh, what are your thoughts on A.J. Brown here? Yeah, it's an impressive resume. Um, and let's not forget that this is somebody who was drafted by the San Diego Padres coming out of high school, right, at age 18. <laughs> yeah. um, shared a field in college at Ole Miss with you know, somebody that I think a lot of other people talk about as the potential wide receiver one in dynasty, sure. D.K. Metcalf. Yep. Um, is he my wide receiver one? I don't know because I haven't finished my, my new rankings yet, Dan. So it's true. It's true. Um, you don't want to speak too early on it. But but to have the conversation, right? I think he's one of the more bulletproof wide receivers that you could draft in a startup right now, right? With all of the points that you just yep. laid out, immediate contributor, just like he was in college, transitioned it to the NFL. Um, if I'm looking at guys that I am seeing, you know, that I've seen considered in that wide receiver one chair, right? You're talking about DK Metcalf, who quickly between the two of them, I think AJ Brown safer has a much higher floor. I think DK Metcalf with that like once in a generation type of athleticism at the at the position, I think he has the higher ceiling. Um, sure. But you don't want to miss in the first couple rounds of a startup, so might exactly. might be a case for AJ Brown there. Um, if you wanted to go on the older side, I think Devonte Adams and Michael Thomas are people that you know have done it again and again and again, and people are still going to be taking number one at that position. And if you wanted to go ultra young, like we know I love to grab the rookies <laughs> and uh, younger players and stash those guys, uh, CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson, two other guys that I think you see a lot of the, uh, you know, the early wide receiver zealots going after. Um, it's a conversation to have. I think your case for him as the wide receiver one is completely warranted. And I guess I'll know when I finally finish uh, redoing my rankings if he winds up sitting in that chair as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands uh, for both of us. And also at the same time, I mean, we toss out those things like the wide receiver one, whatever it is. I think a lot of these guys that we've mentioned probably fall into a very similar tier for us and the top elite options that you can get. It just all becomes a, a matter of cost at that point, right, from a dynasty perspective. So 
Um, if you find that you can get AJ Brown for cheaper than uh, DK Metcalf, which arguably I think you even could at the moment, because I think a lot of people perceive DK a little bit more towards the top. Uh, it's wherever you're going to get the most value there. But he's someone I'm really excited about and someone that I'm trying to get a lot of shares of going into 2021. So let's talk about somebody that I'm trying to get a lot of shares of, already have some shares of, trying to get more shares of. And that is somebody that I was calling the one catch wonder. And we'll get to there that we go. in a second. Um, formerly known as the Chosen Undead on one of our earlier podcasts where Dan was rolling his eyes at all my Dark Souls references. Mr. <laughs> Tyler Johnson on the Bucks. Um, Dan, this is a guy that we talked about, you know, going into this past season, coming in for his rookie year somebody that the NFL wasn't super high on and we couldn't really figure out why, right? Sure, yeah. Um, he was a box checker for me, has the size, was absolutely dominant in college at Minnesota and had an age 19 breakout. So he's in the upper percentiles there. Um, he really played all over the field in college, was a stellar route runner, wins all over the field with separation and contested catches. So you're like, okay, yeah, this guy's going to get some draft capital. All yeah. of a sudden, goes on day three in the fifth round of the Bucks, which I think we both thought it was a steal when the pick was made. For we sure. were just scratching our heads at why he didn't go a little higher. Yeah. And the reason I was calling him the one catch wonder is we didn't get to see a lot of Tyler Johnson, right? We saw he had that game against the bears where I think uh, Godwin was banged up, got a little bit more time out of the slot, sure. but that catch against the saints in the playoffs. Yep. I mean, my God, I think it was like third and 11 crucial situation. One of the best catches of the year. Watching that immediately started to check for where uh, Tyler Johnson was on people's dynasty radar. Yeah, and then you saw owned catch. by Max Cascons. <laughs> on a couple. I did uh, happen to find that that was the case, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so so this is somebody that, you know, was not really a highly drafted player in the NFL draft, was not that highly drafted in our rookie drafts. I think a lot of times you were looking at him maybe early third round, more mid third yeah, round, even late typically. third round. Um and he's somebody that I'm trying to grab shares of. So, you know, always a critical thing to know in Dynasty is while you're, you know, can talk about the DK Metcalfs, the AJ Browns, the CeeDee Lambs all day, you want to be looking for the guys that check all the right boxes. And I think that's Tyler Johnson, somebody that I own a lot of and I'm trying to go put offers out for. Dan, any any thoughts on Tyler Johnson before I go into one of our favorite rookies to talk about, his teammate from Minnesota? So, no, honestly, I think uh, Tyler Johnson, fantastic talent. Uh, the one thing to just be constantly doing in Dynasty is projecting ahead, right? You've got Chris Godwin as a free agent, potentially able to move off. All of a sudden, does that open up a lot more opportunity? Tyler Johnson is going to get a lot more expensive if they end up doing anything uh, else with the wide receivers that sit right above him on the depth chart right now. So now is the time to be able to go and make offers for him because I have a feeling he's going to become more expensive uh, as the offseason goes on. Yeah. And so I teased it before, but you know, we, we, we stayed on veteran side of the field last time. We didn't really get too yep. heavy into the rookie talk, although that's all you're seeing all over Twitter and the forums and everything. But now we got to talk about Rashad Bateman, because if we're going to have Tyler Johnson in the two spot on the show, we got to talk about somebody who he shared a field with at Minnesota and is projected to be a first or second round pick in the NFL draft. Right? Sure. So I'm, I'm kind of seeing the Spider-Man meme here, right? And uh, maybe the only difference is that we don't know uh, Tyler Johnson's athleticism, right? So we don't know. I mean, there, people are talking, Dan, about Rashad Bateman running in the four fours. And that's, that's pretty. It's, it's not good for us because you and I were already high on Rashad Bateman, and now he's going to get pushed fair. up drafts. But this is somebody that 
you know, while competing with Tyler Johnson, something you always want to put in context, like the AJ Brown, DK Metcalf thing, are these guys producing in college and are they producing in spite of sharing the field with another stud NFL player? Yeah. And if we think Tyler Johnson's a stud and Rashad Bateman was able to put up 700 yards as a rookie over 1200 yards as a sophomore. And in 2020, when he gets the star all to himself, you know, 472 yards in five games, which was yet another 1,200 yard season pace. He's an early declare, spent a lot of time sharing the field with Tyler Johnson. So if we like Tyler Johnson and we like Rashad Bateman, this is where the Spider Meme comes in, right? The Spider Man meme. <laughs> Point at each other. But I guess knowing that extra athleticism, and if we, you know, continue to get those tests across the board, like Rashad Bateman's ceiling is so high right now. I'm having a hard time not moving Rashad Bateman higher every single time I look at these guys. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't blame you. And I think he is someone that is going to continue to climb there. It's going to be very interesting when we start to see landing spot, because I I think that's going to start to uh, influence some things, of course. Um, But I find it very hard to not continue to have him inch up my rankings there. I've yet to find a box that he doesn't check as a prospect. And I'm super excited to see him, you know, where he goes and how high he gets drafted at the next level. Cause if he goes in the first round, watch out just yeah. watch out yeah so but to pivot to maybe another first round wide receiver um you know that that was coming out of last year's draft and you and i we're looking at some you know some situations that could really change next year right and how that could affect the surrounding talent and yeah i think the quarterback situation in denver right now is a big question mark of what they're going to yes. do this offseason and what they wind up doing will have a major impact on both Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And Dan, I know you love Cortland Sutton. So why don't we go down, you know, Torres ACL and MCL this past year, brutal injury, but let's, let's rewind back to 2019 and tell the people at home, you know, why they shouldn't forget about Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Because in 2019, he had 72 receptions, uh, over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. Like he was starting to make a really good name for himself. Uh, the reports out of camp during the uh, offseason last year were insane. Cortland Sutton catching everything that was tossed his way. Uh, and then you had Judy uh, joining up as well, right? And people were, people were really excited about Judy. He was a lot of people's wide receiver, too, uh, from last year's class right behind C.D. Lamb. Uh, a lot of really good fans there. And so he was kind of forced and thrust into the uh, the spotlight a little bit for this 2020 season as you saw Sutton uh, go down. If uh, Was it honestly like one of the first few games? It was week one. Off season? Yeah, week it was one. Week Thank one, you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You hate to see it. But, um, I mean, Judy was viewed as a, a top three wide receiver coming out of Alabama. Uh, and for his rookie year, he had 52 receptions, 856 yards, and three touchdowns. So... Uh, you definitely see that's not the production match that we're seeing from Sutton in his rookie year. Uh, but it was definitely still I- impressive all the same, especially when you started to consider who was throwing him uh, the ball, which was Drew Locke. Um, that said, uh, there was mis- miscommunication on both sides and drops were a problem for Jerry Judy. Uh, it was definitely one of the things he caught a lot of flack for. Um, but he did have over 1,500 air yards. So the intent and opportunity is there if they can start to make that connection a little bit more. So these are both wide receivers I really do enjoy. And it's kind of a a little bit of a a black box right now in terms of how you want to be able to view them because I personally believe Sutton has the opportunity to continue to ascend to a true wide receiver one. Whereas Judy, I think, is fantastic, uh, very shifty in the open field. 
but it's all going to come down to what their QB situation is going into this this next season. So I would, of course, love you. There's talk about uh, Deshaun Watson. There's talks about them maybe pursuing quarterback in the draft there. Anything that is a change to the current Drew Locke, in my opinion, is an upgrade. And it's going to be very interesting to see how it shakes out when that comes to be. So what are your thoughts, Max? Uh, Sutton, Judy, do you have one higher than the other? Are you both high on both, low on both? What's what's your, your take on the, the Denver wide receiver one? Yeah, I wasn't the biggest Jerry Judy fan when he was coming out of Alabama. Um, just I, I mean, some people were talking about him as the wide receiver one, which I thought that chair belonged to CeeDee Lamb, no questions asked. Um, I do think they're both solid players. It's an interesting point you bring up with the air yards for Judy because it's such a predictor of success um, being able to get that far down the field and command those targets right that deep in, in enemy territory. Um, so number six in the league, you know, for air yards as a rookie, doesn't matter whether Drew Locke was hitting him or not. It means he was open to make those plays, whether or not they exactly. turn into a reception. Sutton is an interesting one because, you know, I think, Dan, you've criticized me in the past for being so, a little bit of an athleticism and potential snob with some this of these guys. Um, but Sutton is, you know, 6'3". He's a big, like, prototypical wide receiver one style player. And the interesting thing is when you look at size adjusted agility, Cortland Sutton is off the charts. And that I think is just something that's so tantalizing because usually when you see mm. guys that are that big, the, you know, agility score or short area quickness is kind of lacking just because of, you know, what a lumbering person they are. That's exactly, um, that's fair. So when you see Cortland Sutton's size adjusted agility just off the charts, like Julian Edelman level short area quickness, that to me, you know, if he's being undervalued coming into 2021 because people forgot just how productive he could be, someone who was still billed as a very raw prospect coming into the NFL, um, I go Sutton over Judy. Um, I think he probably has, when healthy, the higher floor and probably the higher ceiling. So I'll, I'll go with Sutton for me. Fair. Honestly, the, the good part about it, though, is I think they're good buy-low opportunities across the board. You're probably going to see Sutton brought up a lot when it comes to buy-low. Uh, but I'm willing to even pay a little bit more than what his price currently is because I think it's really going to ascend as we go into the 2021 season. So our quick take on on that uh, wide receiver room, and we'll see what happens as we start to clear up on uh, the QB situation. So another player that's ascending going into the 2021 season is one of my favorite you know what? Actually, I think he's my favorite rookie prospect. And that doesn't mean Ooh. that he is my highest rated rookie. But when I turn on the Purdue film and watch Rondell Moore making plays, he's out of control, man. And yeah. I, I really just wanted to carve out a chunk of the show uh, to give people a little history lesson on Rondell Moore before you uh, start, you know, going crazy, trading away rookie picks or uh, moving up and down rookie drafts. So fair. This is somebody that has probably one of the most impressive true freshman seasons you've ever seen at Purdue. Over 1,200 receiving yards, over 200 rushing yards as a wide receiver. And Dan, you know, you know I love special teams production. This over is true. 740 yards in the return Woo. game. I mean, you add all those up. I mean, there's not many freshman seasons like it, right? And yeah. The sad part is you wanted to see him continue that production into his sophomore season, and he just didn't get the chance. Goes down in 2019 with an injury and really only plays three games. However, you know, and, and we're being a little careful with, with the projections, but again, was pacing that year for a great season. 
also in 2020. Not his fault COVID hit. Not his fault he played a shortened schedule. But he only played three games in 2020 as well. And in those three games, Dan, he absolutely crushed. Three games, 35 receptions, 270 yards, and was pacing for yet another 1,100-plus yard season. Whoo. Do you want me to tell you about his athleticism? Is that what you want next? Oh, please do. you want do. me to tell you what please an athlete do. he is? Absolutely. This is a guy who ran a 4-3-3 in high school, as verified Man. as it could be. I'm sure it was hand time, not laser time. But <laughs> ran a 4-3-3 in high school and squats over 600 pounds. He's 5'9", I think roughly 185 pounds, and set the record in Pro Football Focus's books for the most broken tackles in a single season in a Power 5 conference. I have not let you get a word in edgewise, Dan, and I'm going to continue that trend because when I watch the tape, when I turn on the Purdue tape, he's so physical, he's so fast, he's so elusive. If he can stay healthy, I really think the sky's the limit for Rondell Moore. And... I just covered pretty much all the ground that there is to cover, but is there anything you want to add, Dan, when we talk about Rondell Moore? So I guess with that, with that said, because you you and I agree again, uh, Rondell Moore. So much for for disagreeing across the show, but these are a couple guys that uh, oh, we'll that get you to the really disagreement. Do. Don't yeah, we'll, you worry. we'll disagree in a little bit, exactly. But uh, I'm excited for him too. I, I, my my question to you is like, is there a team um, that you would like to see uh, him land oh. on? If you if you, knowing what he's able to do. Uh, is there a certain place where you're like, man, dream location for Rondell Moore would be X. I've seen him mocked to the Ravens and that would be ridiculous. Um, I mean, with a read option, I mean, volume may be a little bit of a concern, right? Very run heavy offense. But I mean, if I have Rondell Moore, like I'm putting him and JK Dobbins in the backfield. Good luck trying to cover which figure out which one of them's getting the ball. It's either Lamar Jackson, JK Dobbins or Rondell Moore. Oh my God. Good luck. Um, And it's actually, I didn't think about this until just now, but you know, I think a comp you see a lot for Rondell Moore um, is Steve Smith, who also, Mm -hmm. you know, had some later career years, very productive seasons, you know, albeit not with Lamar Jackson was an earlier Ravens offense, but you know, I haven't sat there and charted out all the teams. I just, when you look at the mock drafts, that's a team that's I've seen multiple times projected to take him. Whew, I mean, that yeah. would be a that serious be, playmaker. That would be offense. a dream. I love it. I love it. So no, it's going to be again, another guy that you get super antsy to be like, Oh man, I just really want to see where they, they settle in. But from a profile perspective, uh, there's few holes to be able to, to poke in uh Rondell Moore's game. I, I completely agree. He's got the athleticism monster production and he did it dan with a man that you've been a little downtrodden on before do you know who his quarterback was do you remember who the purdue quarterback was his freshman year honestly max i don't know if i I could say i know so so hit me what who are we talking about throwback to episode one a man whose grave you shoveled dirt on mr david blau Oh, David Blau. Oh, blast from the past. Oh, man. Well, oh, if he did it with uh, with David Blau, come on. Sky's the limit. Sky's <laughs> the limit, man. Let's get into the disagreement part of the show. I think this is All the right. one player that you and I have gone back and forth a lot on. I think at first we agreed. And then, yep. uh, funny enough, the more we both dug into him, I think the more we've started to disagree on him. Why don't you take the fair. lead here? And tell me why you're so enamored with Kyle Pitts. 
All right, Kyle Pitts, he's he's a fun one. So let's let's kind of give a little bit of an overview here, and then you and I can have a little back and forth. So, I mean, when it comes to tight ends, uh, he is 6'6", 246 pounds. Uh, so definitely a, a nice build to be able to work off of there. Uh, age 19 breakout, which puts him in the 95th percentile for tight ends, which is great in my book. Uh, he went for 770 and 12 touchdowns in 2020. And he was on pace for 1,250 yards if he played 13 games. So looking at the class that's coming in here, uh, you have to start to look at some of his production as a tight end as compared to wide receivers. And for PFF, he was PFF's highest graded receiver in 2020 as a tight end. Right. That's including wide receivers. That's That's including wide receivers. So with that point being made, I I know we're talking about, oh, man, it's really hard to be able to look at how we would grade him versus some of the other wide receivers, which we're just so stoked about. But it becomes a conversation where we're viewing him in so many ways that he basically is a wide receiver at the tight end position. He's got this amazing athleticism, this ability to make a difference. Uh, So there's a couple questions of, okay, is he going to be able to be utilized to the fullest potential? Is he a good blocker? I've seen some people kind of ding him for some of his blocking capabilities, but what I have seen a lot of people lot him for is if he fails on a block, at least he fails slow, (laughs) which gives the quarterback a little bit more time. So it's not his prowess, but it's definitely something that I think is going to keep him on the field. Um, and then as, uh, another question that comes up, I mean, I listed off six, six, 446 pounds. Is he big enough? You see the Kelsey's and the Ronks and everything, and he's definitely not of that stature, but it's what allows him to be so dynamic on the field, in my opinion, as a wide receiver esque type of receiver, because he isn't as huge as some of those other tight ends. And I think he's just going to be, have to be used more creatively in the process. So when you look at him being, Uh, graded as the highest graded uh, receiver in 2020 like I have to keep him in the conversation as some of these other top wide receivers and I you know for me personally also I have a soft spot for the tight end position I just I think it's a fun one to be able to own a elite asset in and I think you're immediately going to see Kyle Pitts uh, used quickly in whatever team is drafting him because his receiving uh, ability is insane uh, and I think you're going to see a lot of people putting them in their like top five rankings uh, by the end of next season. Easy for a tight end position. So he's one where I just don't think you can miss out on a truly elite prospect within their certain position. And that's what I think Kyle Pitts is. I'm going to ask you two questions. And the answers to these two questions are going to are going to determine how much we're about to argue right now. First question. Yes. Have you finished? your top 12 rookie rankings for Superflex. They are darn close. Yes. Just say yes. But, yeah. <laughs> Second question. Do you have Kyle Pitts projected as a first round rookie in your rankings? That I do. Okay. I do. So here's where we get to argue because I love Kyle Pitts. 20 year old tight ends, guys that get drafted before they're 21 historically tear up the league, right? Yep. But here's my problem. If you're sinking a first round first round pick into Kyle Pitts right now, you're you're automatically losing value. And and here are my reasons why. First thing is tight ends typically don't hit immediately, right? Yeah, you do have the yep. Gronks, right? We're both Pats fans. We remember that second half yep. of his rookie year. Um, but it takes a while to learn the position. You, you said he's not a great blocker, right? That's something they have to learn if they want to be on the field all the time. Yep. Um I also just think that you're passing up a lot of players that could make a more immediate impact, right? Kyle Pitts might be sure. 
maybe more of a sure thing at his position. Um, but I mean, Justin Jefferson just came in and had one of the most electric rookie seasons of all time. You know, you got, you got Jamar chase, you know, it's probably, you know, as good, if not, maybe even better than Justin Jefferson. Fair. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I want to hit you with Dan is just the value of the tight end position, right? So we're talking super flex, not necessarily tight end premium, but you can yep. scale accordingly. Last year, we play in a league together, half PPR league. The tight end number three was Robert Tanyan. Yes. And his production at the tight end three was equivalent to wide receiver 37 right above Russ Mr. Michael Gallup. Oh, man. So when you are sinking a first-round pick into somebody like Kyle Pitts that might take a couple years to develop, and on top of that probably isn't going to return the value that some of these running backs and wide receivers might – I just can't do it. I had him in there originally. I went through the process again, re-ranked the players. And I just think that you could take somebody else in the first round, whether it's a wide receiver or running back, um, go grab Pat Fryermuth in, in the late second or third round, depending on where he's going. Yep. Another guy that's, you know, 6'5", 260 pounds and, and projected to be a monster at the NFL level. That's kind of where I'm at with Kyle Pitts right now. And that's fair. Honestly, I mean, there's there's um, the positional scarcity is another thing that kind of does have me tend to lean towards what I believe are the more elite assets for the tight end position. But it is really interesting, as you said, when it stacks up against wide receiver production, um, that is that's a hard pill to swallow when, you know, you're basically drafting someone like that and getting Michael Gallup production uh, when it comes to, uh, fantasy points there. So he's one where, again, I, I know from, and this is probably something we can cover in another episode at some point is like, I believe there's always going to be someone who's going to see him as the top tier kind of production tight end that you want to be able to draft. And then you can trade back and get one of these wide receivers that you and I are saying we're so stoked about plus uh, a second or a next year first. Like there's an opportunity where you can utilize having this guy so highly ranked to your advantage. Um, but if he ever finds himself uh, sneaking into the back half of the first round, I'm taking Kyle Pitts before the turn of the second. Yeah. I, I personally am not pulling that trigger. Um, I do see the ceiling. I definitely see the ceiling. I just think that the delayed, the potential of delayed development, he could hit immediately. Yep. I'm not saying he can't. Yep. Um, Historically though, you see tight ends take that long. I exactly. think he's one, if it's, if there's going to be a mold breaker like a Gronk, he's another one that I think can do that. But it all depends on, and we can reevaluate this when we see where he lands, because I think that's the last piece of this puzzle. If he's coming in and is one of the top receiving options immediately, in that team, uh, that's going to keep them uh, square in the, the first round for me, for sure. So let's go a little bit off script here. This this was supposed to be the end of the show, but I'm not letting the show end yet. All right. If you're in a startup right now, non-tight end premium, right? Let's keep it easy. Yep. Yep. Sure. Are you taking Pitts or are you taking someone like TJ Hawkinson? I am taking Pitts. I'm taking okay. Pitts. Yep. I, I again just because I even believe that there's more just name value uh, in the unknown of what Pitts can be. I think we've seen some good solid production out of Hawkinson. I'm just using him as a, a home run uh, with Pitts. If I'm going to take someone, I want to see someone that I believe could easily be the tight end one within the next two years. What about and this is the last one and then I'll I'll let I'll let us end the show. <laughs> what about Pitts or another size speed freak? Uh, like what about somebody like a Darren Waller? Ooh, 
Yeah, because Waller now is starting to get up into, like, he's really started to separate himself from some of the others. He's not just a project that you're hoping to see production from. I, at that moment, if I'm in a startup, I'm probably taking Waller. Yeah. Um, I think I'd have to. That's, that type of production has been uh, pretty hard to be able to get. That's what you hope he starts to be able to reach. So if I'm – I'm the only reason I um, would say Pitts, though, is I think you can get Pitts just rounds later. Um, but if you were forced in that position to take Pitts or, or Waller, I'm taking Waller for sure. Yeah, I think that's probably where he's going to find himself nestled is about that Waller, Hawkinson, and then above the tier of like the Fant, Hunter Henry, sure. those types of guys. Herb Smith, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's great. I just wanted to see where you were at. Um, you know, who knows? We're, we're going to continue to work on our rankings. Maybe our gap will close. I just I don't know if I can put him in the first round. We'll see if you continue to do it. Um, I'm going to try and bring you bring you up into the first round, and uh, and you continue to try and see offer me options on why I shouldn't be putting him in the first round as we go along. We'll see where we lock in before the start of the 2021 season. All right, time will tell. So before we get out of here today, Dan, I want to let the listeners know about something awesome that's going on. So I get a lot of people that reach out that love our podcast music, and they're just like, "Where where can I hear it? Where's that Where's that song? I've never heard that song before." And I'm like, "Yeah, because it's nowhere." So I got a buddy um, who is gracious enough, Anthony Rainville, um, to give us his music for the show that a lot of people seem to love. And Anthony's got some new stuff cooking up, man. So he, um, formerly in a band called The Press War, he's the mastermind behind all the songs you hear on our show. And he's got a new project called Jaws of You. And they're expected to be dropping some new music in like the May, June timeframe. Very cool. I'm excited to steal it for the show, right? There we go. Chance to do that. (laughs) Uh, But I'm also just excited to hear it. So we'll keep you guys tuned in on everything that Anthony's doing because he's the man and we can't thank him enough for uh, giving us the music for the show. Definitely. And then the other big thing, Dan, is we got our first guest lined up, right? Oh, baby. And we haven't had any guests before. It's time to open the floodgates, get some other voices on the show. And it's uh, one of my very, very good friends and somebody that you've competed in leagues with before, too. So I won't... I won't say the name. I'll uh, I'll do proper intros when we have him on the show. But uh, are you excited to have one of our good buddies and Dynasty League mates join us very soon? Absolutely. God bless anyone that wants to come on this show and, and uh, banter with us here. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. So it'll be a good time. We'll have to cook up some good stuff. Maybe uh, put him on the hot seat with a couple things he's not expecting. Ooh, he listens to the show, seat. so he knows he's going to be on the hot seat. He, he, exactly. He knows what's coming. Anyway, man, um, good talk today. I think we're going to dig into a lot more rookies, have some more rookie takes next time, maybe some you know, V1, V2, V3 rankings where we've moved guys up and down. But um, I think we're good. So getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>